Well, it's good to be back with you this evening and uh, looking forward to this opportunity when uh, Pastor Newcomer invited me to, to come and, and be with you this Sunday. He asked if uh, during the evening service, might try to take a little bit of time to, to do a bit of work on studying the Bible. And this is uh, something that I th- hopefully is a lifelong goal for you to be able to get in God's Word and to know it better. And tonight we're not going to be able to, to get into all the ins and outs of that. But I did want to touch on something that's been very helpful for me when trying to, to think about God's Word, and I hopefully will be a help to you as well. And that is in your notes that you'll see before you, finding the textual theme. And you'll see the goal is to identify the eternal thematic truth presented in this self-contained unit of Scripture. I want to take just a brief moment to talk about the self-contained unit of Scripture. Uh, When we're thinking about studying the Bible, uh, you can look at words, but words really only have meanings within context. You have to have a a whole phrase in order to really know what that word means. And, And phrases fit within sentences, and sentences then within paragraphs, and paragraphs within whole books. And when we're talking about a unit, we're talking about enough that it has one idea. And in general, I, I find it's most helpful to think in paragraphs. You might have a translation that, that puts the translation in a kind of paragraph form. Uh, in the NASB, which I believe many of you use, you may know this. If you don't know this, let me encourage you to take advantage of this. Anytime you see a number in the NASB that's in bold, that's when the, the NASB translators are saying, we think this is a new paragraph. And so usually the verse numbers are just regular. When they put the verse number in bold, they're saying, we think this is a new paragraph. Now, those paragraphs aren't inspired by God. Uh, God didn't write the Bible with paragraphs. You may know this as well. The, the verses and the chapter markings were also not inspired by God. When Moses was writing Genesis, he didn't say one, one, and then start writing. Someone came along later and said, well, if we're all going to be able to use the Bible, it would be helpful for us to kind of know where to go to. And so instead of saying, open up to the book of Genesis, kind of towards the beginning, but not all the way towards the beginning, it's a lot easier to say, open up to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 2, and then we could all find it. But that means that occasionally the verse numbers aren't exactly maybe where they should be, and occasionally the chapter endings aren't exactly where they should be. Um, So just be aware of that, but usually they're pretty good. And so usually it's kind of helpful as you're thinking through what's a self-contained unit. I generally encourage you to think of a paragraph, and that's one of the most helpful ways to kind of think, okay, so what is this paragraph about? As you begin to study that unit, you're going to begin by asking questions about the background. We're not going to take a lot of time here. Uh, I just want you to have this so that you can be aware of it and be thinking about it, uh, who wrote it. Uh, who received it, or to whom was it written, uh, when was it written, why was it written, what prompted it, uh, what is its purpose, so why was it written, uh, was, just for example, the book of Philippians. We find out reading through the book of Philippians, it was prompted at least in part for two reasons. One is Paul received a gift from the Philippians, and so he was writing a thank you to them. But also he was sending Epaphroditus back to them, and so he thought, well, Epaphroditus is going anyway, let me go and send a letter with him. And so there's two reasons why the book was written. Uh, What type of literature is it? Was it a letter like Philippians? Uh, Is it uh, 
poetry like the book of Psalms? Is it narrative like the book of 1 Samuel? Uh, what, what, what kind of literature is it? That's going to be helpful for you as you work through it. Then thinking again about limiting the passage to a thematic unit. The principle is the preaching or text that you're studying should be a self-contained unit of thought. So you've got to think through how long is that and how, what, what actually was the person trying to, to create. How do you do that? Well, common sense is your greatest ally. Is there a natural beginning and ending to this thought? As you're reading through this passage, does it say, you know what, it seems like maybe we've moved to another topic here. It seems like Paul's no longer talking about uh, love. He's now talking about spiritual gifts again. And so we've probably moved to a, a little bit of a different topic. Now be aware, moving to a different topic doesn't mean completely unrelated to everything that was just said. Uh, often it is related still in some level, but it's something a little bit new. Uh, some big markers when you're reading through Ephesians and you get to chapter 4, there's a pretty big marker of, okay, so now we're going to talk about how you need to walk worthy of the calling to which you've been called. We spent the first three chapters talking about the teaching about what God's doing in this world. Now we're going to be talking about what you need to do in light of it. Or in Romans, if you read through the book of Romans. You get through Romans chapter 12, and all of a sudden, so I beseech you. They begin to see commands given. So those are generally helpful ways to think about it. As I mentioned, check the text, several translations, and, and I do have the note there. Be, be suspicious of, of chapter and verse divisions. Uh, be suspicious, not in the sense of, well, they're worthless, but they're not inspired, and so I'm not bound by that. I, I shouldn't necessarily think, well, I got to the end of the chapter, so we must be at a new section. In fact, sometimes you need to get to the next couple verses really before you can finish the section you're on, and so, so don't cut your mind off because you see a big number four there. Keep thinking, okay, so is this still part of the unit I just went through? Now, really what I focus on this evening is that next section, finding the eternal thematic truth. And the eternal thematic truth, the emphasis here is saying not just what was the purpose to the original listeners, but what's the eternal truth that applies to us today. And the thematic truth is saying this is the big idea. This is the overarching idea. And I think generally any unit of Scripture, any passage of Scripture, you can summarize in one sentence. Sometimes that sentence gets a little long, but generally you can summarize it in one sentence. This is the idea that this text is communicating. I think that's true for any kind of writing or any kind of reading you do. If you're reading the newspaper, if you're reading a book, if you're reading an article online, Usually in a paragraph, you can kind of summarize, that's what this paragraph was about. Or even, that's what this whole article was about. Here's one sentence about what this is about. How do you do that? Well, that's what we're going to hopefully work on together this evening. The process by which we do that. We're looking for the author's key terms. You're looking for important words or ideas or phrases. How do you know what those are? Well, repetition. Does that word or phrase show up several different times in this text? Well, that might be a good indication that that's what this passage is about. The placement. Is it at the very beginning? Or potentially, is it at the very end? 
uh, that, that often is kind of a clue of, so pay attention to what's going on here. The distinctiveness. The distinctiveness in, in some ways is, do, does this seem to stand out from the rest of the text for some reason? Uh, or is this unique? So I'll give you an example of this. In Daniel chapter 3, you have the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in that story, there's only one time Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego ever talk. And that time is a pretty important thing that they say. In the whole chapter, there's other people talking. There's a lot of other that said. They only say one thing in the very middle. And it's a response to Nebuchadnezzar's question, who would deliver you out of my hands? And they say, oh, king, we're not careful to answer you about this. Our God is able to deliver us. And so what's a big important point of the story there? Well, God's able to deliver. And we're clued into that in part because that's the only time they talk. So the distinctiveness might be a help for you as you're working through a text. And then theological significance. So those are, are big, important words or ideas. So if you were here this morning, one of the, the key theological terms we saw was justified. This man went to his home justified and not the other. So that's a word that you say, well, there's a little bit of significance because that's an important word. Or I mentioned that the word be merciful is actually be propitious. That's a key theological truth. So as you're working through that text, those are the kinds of words you want to say, all right, this is important. Let me pay attention to what this is saying. Then you also want to try to think about the arguments. And we won't take a lot of time this evening to go through this. Uh, if we have a little bit of time, we might do this. This is where you're, you're kind of saying, so how does this phrase connect to this phrase up here? Or this command, how does it connect to the verse below it? And so the kind of connections you might see are things like, so there, here's a command, and this is how you're supposed to do it. This is the way you carry it out. And so be joyful with a thankful heart. So with a thankful heart is telling you how you're supposed to be joyful. Or, or maybe it's giving you a, a, a when. When do you do this? Give thanks at all times. So when do you give thanks? At all times. This is telling you when you're supposed to do this thing. So that's how you're, you're, you're seeing how these things are related to each other. Then one thing we will note as well are assertions and imperatives. Uh, assertions are, are statements of fact or truth. Uh, things like um, uh, no man can serve two masters. So that's a statement of truth. An imperative is a command. Um, honor your father and your mother. And so as you're working through a text, you're looking for these commands, and you're working for these statements of truth. And those statements of truths you'll see answer an implied question. We'll try to work through that a little bit. Now what I want to try to do is to flesh this out in a passage of Scripture. That passage of Scripture should show up on the screen behind us. I would also encourage you to open up your Bible so that you can see this as well. And this is Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. At the very bottom of the sheet I gave you, I gave you a study sheet. So these are the kinds of questions that you could begin working through as you're working through a text. So we're going to start doing that this evening together. 
Matthew 6, beginning in verse 25. And first, we're going to answer the question, is this a distinct and coherent unit? And those are, are both important words to consider. Distinct, meaning, is it actually its own unit? Is it in, at least in some way separate from what comes before it and separate from what comes after it? Coherent meaning, is it actually one unit? Or do I maybe have two ideas here? And so I, I, I've got to think through, is this one idea or two ideas? And how do I do that? Well, again, common sense through ally, but also you're going to begin by, by thinking about what comes before, what comes after, and then does the whole thing fit together? So I don't have on the screen, if you have your Bible, you can see what came before. What comes before is the, the uh, teaching about storing up treasure in heaven. If you have your NASB, you'll note uh, verse 19 is in bold. If you have another translation, it's, you might see it's kind of set off as a new paragraph because most people tend to think this is its own kind of paragraph. Do not store up treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy. Where thieves break in and steal, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where your moth and rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now verse 22 also is bolded. And that's because it is creating a new idea. We're not studying this passage. I would actually argue it's here tied in with what was just said and what's going to come after. For the lamp of the body, eye, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes clear, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Then the light then you is darkness. How great is the darkness? Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. For either who will hate the one and love the other, he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. So in, in 19, you have treasure, don't lay up treasures on earth, lay up treasures in heaven. In 24, you have, you can't serve two masters. Specifically, you cannot serve God and wealth. And in between, you have the statement about the eyes and lamp of the body. Now, I said we're not going to take time on this. I'm just going to briefly tell you what I think is being said there. When he's saying if your eye is clear, really, I think the best way to understand it is if your eye is single. And it's the idea of having your focus versus double vision. If you have double vision and your eyes are not focusing on the same thing, it's hard to see, right? I'm seeing this over here, I'm seeing this over here. And so... Things are all fuzzy. Things are not clear. But if your eye is focused, if your eye is single, then you're able to understand things rightly. And so, is your focus on wealth and God? Your eye is not going to be single. <coughs> if your focus is on God, your eye will be single. And then you'll be able to see light. You'll be able to see clearly. Things will come into focus. That's for free. We're just bringing this up to talk about the next section. <coughs> In the next section, we see Verse 25 is bolded. You might even have a, a heading, something like the cure for anxiety or something like that in your text. Which tells you, at least the people who made this translation think we've kind of moved on to a new idea. And it does seem in some level we have. We've begun to talk about worrying about your life, uh, what you eat, what you'll drink, and so on. And so it seems as if there's, there's some distinction between what, what just came before. Then you get down, if you're looking at the NASB, you won't see another bolded verse until verse 34. Which means the NASB thinks 25 to 33 are all one paragraph. And I think as we read through it, we'd say it probably is. The question comes in part, is, there, is verse 34 connected to that? 
were completely separate. When we read verse 34, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The so tells us it probably is connected in some level. The fact that verse 25 begins, do not be worried about your life, and verse 34 says, do not worry, tells us we're probably still talking about something pretty similar here. Then we go to chapter 7 and verse 1. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. So that seems like maybe we've moved on. I think we've probably moved on to a little bit of a different topic. And so if we're asking the question, is Matthew 6, 25 to 34 a unit? I think we can say it is. It's talking about something. Chapter 7 does seem to move on to something else. And while we'll talk in a moment, the, chapter, the part before is related. I think we have moved on to a new topic beyond simply, where's your focus? Don't lay up treasure in heaven. You can't serve two masters. Now we've begun to talk about worry. And so I think we can answer our first question, is this a distinct and coherent unit? Yes. What do we do next? Well, next we begin to gather information. We're looking for repeated statements or thoughts, any kind of direct statement of a central idea or purpose, or any appeals or commands. How do we do this? Well, first, I would encourage you, read through it several times. And we're not going to have time to read through it several times. I do want to read through it at least twice together. All right? So let's read through it twice together to get ourselves familiar with this passage, and then we'll go back through and begin thinking about it. So, Matthew 6 and verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life, as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body, as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you, that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. Sorry, I just lost my place. Is it 30? Yeah, thank you. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. All right, let's read through it again. Back to verse 25. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life. Let me stop. As we're reading through now, be thinking, okay, so what kind of words do I see come over and over again? And do I see any commands as we work through this? All right? For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body, as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? 
Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you, that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. All right, so now we're going to to try something. We're going to try to ask, what, where do you see repeated words or thoughts? And you'll see that language, I think, in, in your statement there, repeated statements or thoughts. And, and here's, here's what we're saying. If we talk about, um, in, in general, we say something like, here's a chair and here's a seat. Chair and seat are different words but they're really talking about something pretty similar. And so don't think, oh, well, chair and seat are different. Think same, same idea, same thought. And so there might be different words being used, but a similar idea being discussed or a similar category being discussed. So what kinds of, of repeated words or statements do we see here in this passage? And this is where you get a chance so, so do you see anything? Yes. No. Yeah. So there's a lot there. Let's let's try to let's try to narrow in our focus a little bit. Any any particular things you see there? Yeah. Okay, so let's work through this. Uh, we see right at the very beginning what you'll eat. Sorry, my, I'm trying this out. I'm not doing a very good job. Just stick with me. What you eat, would we include what we drink? Seems like this basic same category, right? Um, where else do we see it? Show me the next, next time that shows up. Food? Life more than food. Where else do we see it? Yeah, your heavenly Father feeds the birds. Yeah, they're they're not gathering crops into barns. Do we see it anywhere else here? Yeah, so hold off on that. We'll, we'll come back to that. Let's, let's keep thinking about food and, and drink and things like that. So let's look at the next part of the text here. 
Do we see that coming up again anywhere here? Yeah. And where do we see it in verse 31? eating and drinking here again. Do we see it anywhere else? Yeah, so that's a good question. And that's probably a good point for us to wrestle with another question too. So when he says, your heavenly father knows that you need all these things, whenever you see something like these things, you have to say, well, what's he talking about? And, and, and what are these things? What is he talking about? Yeah, so the things you just mentioned, what did you just mention? Yeah, what you eat, what you drink, and, and what we have for clothes. Which makes us then maybe go back and ask, should we lump clothing in with eating and drinking? Why, why, why might we do that? That's true. We, you know, if we eat too much, we need new clothes, right? Yeah, these are material needs, right? And, and it doesn't seem that he's making a hard distinction between them. We, we, we might still make it a little bit separate because eating and drinking seems, you know, its own kind of food category, but clothing, but, but it does seem there's a big connection there. And so we'd say even these things here, it's probably a reference to that. Then we go to the next part. Do we see it come up again? All these things, right? These things again. Did we miss one more? I feel like there was one more. Oh, all my highlights went away when I moved. Okay. So there's actually two of these things here, right? You seek all these things, and you need all these things. Both of those show up there. And then if we were to add in clothing, do we see clothing here? What are we to wear? Where else, might, where else do we see clothing? A lot here, right? You can call them out. Yes, Solomon, all his glory, clothed himself. Yes, God clothed the grass of the field. Shall we not much more clothe you? So, so we see over and over again these statements about material things, right? So, we, so that, that's the kind of thing. And I'll tell you, how, how you mark this is up to you. You might decide, in my Bible, I'm going to highlight these always one way. You might print out a text and highlight it. I actually tend to, when I'm studying a passage in depth, I get another little worksheet with these questions on it. I just type out the answer there. In part because if you see my writing, you can't read it. So I don't try to write my Bible because it does me no good. I have to type things out. And my wife is smiling because she knows exactly what I'm talking about. And so I tend to, to want to have it typed out so it's useful for me at some point in the future. However you do it, it doesn't matter. In some way, you're wanting to note, I see these kinds of things repeated over and over again. So one thing we saw a bunch of. There's a bunch here, right? Eating, drinking, clothing, shows up in almost every single verse. Are there any other repeated words or phrases? We'll go back to the beginning. 
All our highlights will be gone. We get a fresh start. Any other thoughts? You, you brought up, I think, the idea earlier of worry, right? So let, let's do that. Let, let's, let's look at where does worry show up? They're right at the very front, right? Do not be worried. Which of you, by worrying, Why are you worried about clothing? Go to verse 31. Do not worry then. And in verse 34, do not worry. Okay. So several different times worry showing up. So, so obviously if we're wondering what's this passage talking about, we think, well, it's probably talking about worry at some level. It's probably talking about material needs, like heat, drink, clothing. Any other <coughs> repeated words or ideas? Yeah. But there's an emphasis on, on God's caring for things, right? So where do we see that? Verse 26, where your heavenly Father feeds them. Right? Yeah, God so clothes the grass of the field. Sorry, did I hear 28? Am I missing something there? God clothes the grass of the field there. Yeah. He's going to do this for you too, right? And I think here it's verse 33 as well, right? They will be provided for. So there again we see that's not different words, right, same idea. God's, God's clothes across the field, he's going to clothe you, he's going to provide these things for you. Over and over again, we see an emphasis on, on the Father's care. Um, I, I think as well, I, I, we might have missed this. Yeah. Your Heavenly Father knows you need all these things. And so he, he, he's aware of your needs. He's, he's involved in your life. He's caring for you in these ways. And any other ideas or, or, or phrases that we see repeated? So we're going to hold off on the commands just yet. Yeah. No, no, the command, yeah, we'll get to commands here in a second. Right now we're still looking for repeated words, phrases, ideas, statements. So I, a couple couple times throughout, we, we see comparison kind of things. 
Like, look at verse 25. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? And then in verse 26, what else do we see? Are you not more important than they? And then in verse 33, this is a little bit harder, but I think we can still see it. What are we supposed to seek? Seek first his kingdom and righteousness. That again seems to imply there's something more important. That, that th- there's something more valuable than the kinds of things that, that we're talking about with light, with food and drink and clothing. So we're seeing a little bit of an emphasis on, on significance or importance coming into play here. Then one more that I, I could see, and if you see something else, feel free to bring it up. But twice here, we see the Gentiles seek these things, and we are told instead to seek something else. Um, so we have that little bit of a dual phrase there. Seek, they seek this. You seek this. So both of those uh, show up a couple of times. So we move to our next question then. Is there a direct statement of the central purpose or idea? Is there anything in here that kind of says, this seems to really be the summary of, of what's going on? Is there a phrase or anything like that that you might point to? And, and for what it's worth right now, as you're working through this, you're not necessarily trying to say, I found the answer. It's kind of brainstorming. You're, you're saying, well, well, here's one. Here's, here's a potential verse that we might say, this seems pretty central. This seems like it's the, the main idea. Uh, and so that, that's, that's kind of what we're looking for right now. Is there anything that stands out to you that says, well, maybe this is a, a good kind of summary of what this unit is about? 33 and 34. Verse 34 seems like a summary in some ways, right? Don't worry about these things. Uh, And then verse 33 seems like an important verse as well. Seek first his kingdom, these things will be added to you. So so there might be some significance to those things. Any other one? Verse 32. Certainly, you might tie that in with 33, right? You don't need to seek these things. Your Heavenly Father knows this, but you seek this instead. Now, in some ways, this ties into our next question. Because sometimes the central purpose is a command. So, so Brian, you were mentioning earlier, there's a couple commands. Where where do you see commands in this text? That, that's also tied in where we talked about placement of things. If it starts and ends with something, 
often that's also an indication everything in between is kind of talking at you. And so right at the very beginning, you have a command, so don't worry. Right at the very end, what do you have a command? So don't worry. So, so what is this passage maybe about? Not worrying, right? <laughs> there might be some kind of indication that's pretty central to whatever this theme is talking about. Are there any other commands in this? Yeah, look and consider, and that's um, sorry. Uh, verse twenty-six, right? Look at the birds of the sky, and then um, notice or consider how the lilies of the field care for themselves. Yeah, so that, that's, that's hold on to that thought. We're going to come back to that. Uh, I think that is important to think about that for a moment. Uh, but we'll hold on to that one for a moment. Any other commands in this text? Yeah, verse 33. You seek, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So those are the commands we see in this text. Let's go back to what was raised there about verse 24. We have a phrase here at the beginning, for this reason. And when you see a phrase like that, for this reason, you either need to look at what's going to come right after it or what came right before it. Because occasionally you'll see for this reason, then it'll give you the reason. More often, it's what came before it. And what came just before was the verse we saw from verse 24. You cannot serve God and money. And so for this reason, for what? You can't serve God and wealth. And so in some way, the command that comes right after this. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried. So do not be worried about your life. Why? Because you cannot serve God and wealth. What's the connection between them? Well, that's what we've got to think about a little bit in this text. Why does the fact that we cannot serve God and wealth mean we shouldn't worry about our life? And let's, let's try to think about that in light of the kind of stuff we're talking about. So now, now we've got a, a series of repeated thoughts, words, commands. Let's try to begin to tie them all together. <coughs> and we're going to ask now, what is the general topic of this unit? When we're thinking general topic, we're asking the question, what is this unit about? And, and you generally want to give a, a short little phrase to this kind of answer. Uh, you, you could say, what's this unit about? Worrying. Well, that's good, but maybe we can be a little bit more specific. And so let's, let's try to think about what, what this unit is about. So what, what, what is the subject of the passage? What is the topic of this passage? Yeah, and, and where, where are we getting the, the idea of focus from? Yeah, going, going back up, we talked about your know, eye, having the right focus, not serving God and money. And then even with the text, we also have some focus kind of words. Where are the focus words in the text? 
seek? That's a focus, right? What am I looking after? What am I pursuing? Seek. We also even have language like look at the birds. Consider the lilies of the field, right? Think about these things. Consider these things. Have your mind engaged in this way. And really, worry is also a kind of focus kind of language, right? Even worrying is what am I thinking about? What am I focusing on? So focus, I, I think, is a good way to begin to think about a text like this. Where's my focus? What am I thinking about? What's the underlying question about the general topic this passage is answering? So when, when you're coming to this, you're now going to use, uh, you might remember the thing, this is Rudyard Kipling. There's uh, six working men who taught me all that I knew. Who, what, where, when, why, how, who. And so you, you begin to work through those questions. Who is this passage talking about? Why is this passage? So if we're going to say, passage is talking about focus. Is this passage answering the question, who needs to focus? Is this passage answering the question, how do we focus? Is this passage answering the question, when do we focus? Is it answering the question, where do we focus? Is it answering the question, how do we focus? Or what do we focus on? And let me ask you, what would you give as your first stab at what this passage is, is answering the question. What, what question is this passage answering about our focus? What to focus on? And that would be both, right? Be both sides of it. What not to and what to. All right, that's, 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 that's kind of both sides of, of one coin. That, that might be a pretty big idea. Any other thoughts? Which I, I think that maybe is pointing a little bit to a why. why. Why is it wrong to worry? Why is it wrong to have this focus? And there might be some aspect of that in this passage, right? Why is it so important to have the right focus versus the wrong focus? That might be the question that's being addressed here. Any other thoughts on that? Which again might be kind of a why question, right? Why, why do Gentiles focus on this and we shouldn't? So if, if either a what, what should we focus on or what not should we focus on? Or why should we focus on these kinds of things? If those are the questions, what's this passage giving us the answer? What's the answer? So let's begin with the question, what? What should we focus on and what should we not focus on? And what's the answer from this passage? So, so don't focus on material things. Focus on spiritual things. Any other thoughts on that? If instead we say, well, is it asking a why question? If it's asking a why question, what's the answer from this passage? Yeah. Why should you not focus on these things? Because God will care for you. 
And I think we probably could even take that a step further. It's not just because God will care for you. There's more the text also kind of tells us about why we should have our focus on spiritual things and not on material things. Yeah, that that would be tying in a little bit from what we saw earlier, right? Don't lay your treasures on earth where they they disappear. Um, That certainly there's a value, right? Aren't you more important? Isn't this more important, right? So so one of the why questions would be, don't focus on this because it's not as important as these things over here. I think I saw someone else. You know, why he's, he's already showed us. He, 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 he's, he's taking care of everything else in creation, and we're more valuable than him. So that, that's a, a key part of it. God, God's already going to do this. Let me give you my answer to this question. I think it is answering a, a why question. And, and it's basically telling us we should not focus and worry on the things of this earth. We should focus instead on the things that matter to God because what we focus on tells us what we're worshiping. And I think that's tied in with what we saw at the beginning. For this reason, what's the reason? You can't serve two masters. You can't worship two different things. You can't worship material things and God. So don't worry about material things. That's what Gentiles seek. They're focused on that. They treasure that. They value that. And if you value that, it says you're not trusting God. It says you're not valuing Him. It it says you think these things are more important than what He's called you to pursue. His kingdom and His righteousness. So I think it's telling us something significant about worry. That when we are worried about the things of this world, it demonstrates we are not worshiping God the way we should. We're acting like Gentiles, people who don't know God. And we shouldn't live like the Gentiles because we do know God. We know he cares for us. We know we matter to him. And so let's not focus on the things of this world. Let's not seek the things of this world. Let's not worry about the things of this world. Let's worship God. Let's serve Him. Let's seek Him. I think that's what this text is telling us. This text is telling us, don't worry. Instead, trust and treasure God. Replace worry with worship. That's our eternal thematic truth this text. Questions about this process? I like to say when there's no questions, it either means I did so well, you know, you, um, no, you know, everyone knows exactly what's going on, or you're so lost, you don't even know how to ask a question. So I will believe the former rather than the latter right now. If you do have questions, I'll be around for a little bit after the service. Thank you very much for listening. Well, I'll close this in prayer now. Okay, all right, thank you.